Well, good morning. It's great to see you guys here today, whether you're watching online or if you are in Knoxville. We're one church in two locations. So Knoxville folks, I'm so glad you are connecting and praying that you will invite, invite, invite some friends and some family to come to church next Sunday. It is game day. I'm going to preach a message uh, that is very, uh, a very clear uh, gospel presentation. And so we're going to have a lot of fun with that. We're going to see who's rooting for what college team next week, too. So no fighting in the hallways, but it's going to be a, a great day. If you've got a Bible, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. We've been in a sermon series called Messy for uh, several weeks, 16 weeks to be exact. We started on Mother's Day back in May. And so we've been working our way through uh, this book. Paul wrote to the city uh, or to the church that was in the city called Corinth. That's where we get the name Corinthians. And so uh, it was a very messy church, a lot of problems, a lot of issues. And, and uh, just like us today, we have a lot of problems. We have a lot of issues. We are broken in so many ways. But the gospel of Jesus Christ begins to mold us back together uh, for his glory and our good. You know, when my kids were little, uh, my wife and I, you know, and if you're a parent, you know this, we had to spend a lot of time convincing them that sharing was a good thing. Um, had to spend a lot of time. In fact, we would say that it makes God happy when we share. And so, you, you know, just as well as I do, uh, kids are selfish. Like they, you know, the, one of the first words they say after the word no is the word mine. Uh, and so, you know, they want to share their toys. They don't want to share, you know, their uh, food. They, they don't want to share anything that they deem theirs. And so it makes God happy when you share. And so if, if, if you're old enough, though, and you have teenagers, you, you kind of experience how they flip the script on you when they become, uh, you know, teenagers. And so, you know, they, they, they come to you and, and they say, hey, dad, can I have some money? It makes God happy when you share. <laughs> Shut up. You know, and, and, you know, it really hits me when I go to my closet and I'm like, where are, I need a sweatshirt. Where are my sweatshirts at? I used to have hoodies. I used to have sweatshirts. I've had sweatshirts since college that I love and that I, that I really want to wear. And I still, you know, know that they exist. Uh, they haven't been raptured that I don't think. But I go and I can't find them anywhere. And then I walk out into the living room. My daughters walk out and they're all wearing my, my, my hoodies and my sweatshirts. I'm like, there they are. And they say, it makes God happy when you share. And I say, it'll make me happy to drop kick you in the throat. And that's what I really want to do. Well, in our scripture today in chapter 16, Paul's going to tell us the importance and the value of sharing. And specifically what you and I are, are called to share with God's church. And so if you've got a Bible or if not, let's look at it here on the screen. It's chapter 16, the final chapter in the letter, and he says this. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. What is Paul's there? What he's talking about is he's asking them to begin to give financially to their church and, and there was a great need in the church in Jerusalem that they were gonna uh, budget for and they were gonna give towards and they were gonna um, you know, invest into that ministry because they had a, a great need. And so he's telling them to get prepared for that. Now, what's interesting about sharing and generosity is, 
is, is when you go to a funeral or, you know, as a pastor, I've done my fair share of funerals. And, and in fact, the first church that I pastored across the street was a, a funeral home. And so they would call and ask if I could come over and do those uh, on a regular basis for, for people that didn't have somebody to, to do that. And, and I've been, you know, to funerals that are really, really sad. I mean, people that had one or two people, you know, attending their funeral and they didn't really know if they knew Jesus. And so that can be really, really sad. And, but I've also been to funerals that were more like worship services, like a worship experience, kind of celebrating someone's life. And, you know, when people get up to, to talk about someone who has passed away, whether it's the pastor or family member or friend, uh, never have I ever heard anybody get up and say, you know, I liked, you know, Jim because he was a rich guy. I really liked him because he was so stinking wealthy and good for him that he had so much money. <laughs> I've never heard that. Have you ever heard that? Like people celebrated because they're rich at their funeral? Of course not. You and I know this to be true. We don't celebrate wealth at a funeral. We celebrate generosity. At a funeral, somebody gets up and says, Jim is so incredible because he invested into my life. He uh, was a generous person. He gave me this. He gave me that. He gave me time. He gave me his knowledge. He, yes, blessed me financially in, 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 a, in a time in my life where I was really hurting financially. And because of his gift, it made me who I am today or, or a story to that uh, extent. And so we celebrate generosity. We don't celebrate wealth. And that's important for us to understand and, and, and realize as we think about what it looks like for us as followers of Jesus to be a good steward of the resources that God has given to us. The problem is, just like our two and three-year-old kids, we don't naturally want to share. We have to be taught how to share. We naturally want to be hoarders. We naturally want to spend everything financially that we make on ourselves. And so here in verses one and two, he very clearly begins to set the stage. He wants us to share our financial resources with God's church, right? And so when he says to do this, he gives us some characteristics about how we're gonna do this. So in, in, in a lot of the why behind uh, what, we, what we are actually giving. And so the first letter under this is, is that you and I, when we give, it should be consistent. He says on the first day of every week, which is Sunday, the early church gathered on Sunday morning for worship. That's why we do it today, just out of tradition. We can worship on any night of the week, but we choose Sunday and that's been our tradition and works, it's great. And so Paul says on the first day of every week, I want you to consistently set aside some resources and I want you to give when you come and gather for worship. It should be a consistent, a regular gift that you are giving. It shouldn't be sporadic. A lot of people want to give sporadically. If I have a little bit left over, I'll give some in you know, the plate as it's passed, or I'll give a little bit online when I see fit. Um, I'll, I'll go to church you know, sporadically whenever I have time. But the problem is God doesn't call us to worship sporadically. He calls us to worship regularly, consistently. In the same way, he calls us to give consistently here, regularly. Now, this is an issue because a lot of people, especially the younger generation, if you're in your you know, 30s and, 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 and younger, a, a lot of you have just been raised in this consume everything 
Everything that you get, consume it all. It's all going somewhere. And then when you're out, use a credit card to have a little bit more fun. And then at some point you turn off the faucet and realize that you're strapped. And that's, I I see this over and over again in in young people. They haven't learned the biblical concept of, 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 of a follower of Jesus who is actually someone who stewards the resources that God has for them. So he says giving should be consistent. Letter B, he says next that giving should be planned. He says put something aside and store it up. So this is a thoughtful plan. And, and, and again, this takes maturity, it takes wisdom, it takes uh, faith in God, it takes someone who isn't just gonna be sporadic with their life, this takes someone who's gonna sit down and actually make a plan for the, the resources that, that God has given to them. And so uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that. They don't have a plan to budget. How am I gonna spend my money? Well, we're just gonna spend it on whatever we want. They don't have a plan for how to save for the future. They don't have a plan for how we're gonna give. And every single one of us need a plan on how we're gonna give, how we're gonna save, and how we're gonna spend. And if we don't do that, then we're, we can't call ourselves a faithful steward of the resources, a smart, mature, um, faithful steward of the resources God has given to us. And, and in our culture, which is very, you know, much more affluent than most countries, and we have a lot of excess and it's easy to eat and it's easy, you know, to, to, to find clothing and things of that nature. We, we kind of take that and, and, and we want more and more. And, 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 and we find all these streams and all of our money is going somewhere, like I said. And, and so we're, we're, we're very tight. And, and so what do we do when, we, when, when God calls us to have a plan? This is not just uh, giving emotionally. Like, oh, I, you know, I was led to give because this kid made me cry or somebody's in trouble or there's a crisis overseas or a crisis somewhere. And I'm just going to give and you know, the GoFundMe because that story, you know, my, you know, it's like, really, are we that emotionally driven with what God has given to us? We need a plan. There's wisdom behind this. And the scripture teaches us um, very clearly how we should, should, should handle it. But there are really three main reasons why people don't give. Actually, there's four I'm going to give you. And I think the first reason why people don't plan to give is they don't want to give. This would be the person that says, I don't really care what the Bible says. I don't really care about what God wants or teaches in, in the Bible. This is my money. I'm going to spend it. In fact, Trent, you're a preacher. You shouldn't be telling me what to do. I'm, by the way, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just reading the Bible and explaining what it says. And you're free to do whatever you want to do. But a lot of people just have this attitude. Like we shouldn't talk about it, even though Jesus talks a lot about it. And, and, and we should just avoid it. It's kind of like all the other hot button topics in our culture that people don't want me to talk about, uh, but that we've talked about almost all of it in the last 16 weeks. And, 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 and so, you know, what we want to do is we just want to read the Bible for what it is and we want to apply it to our lives. And it's up to you to decide if you want to be faithful to it or reject it. And some people just say, I don't want it. I don't care. And, and essentially what this comes down to is trust. I don't trust God. I don't trust the Bible. I don't, I don't trust Jesus's way. In fact, I don't trust the church and I don't trust you, Trent, for, for, for talking about it. Well, when Jesus calls us to live a life uh, uh, that is to the fullest or uh, abundantly, 
If you're not gonna trust God with every area of your life, you're, you're never gonna experience the life that Jesus offers. And so again, that's right before us, you get to decide. Another reason why people don't plan, I think, is they spend all their money on stuff. And so when, when we spend all of our money on stuff, then, then we, we don't have anything left over to then give to God. And so that is a lot of people. A lot of people have bought a car, they bought a home, they bought this, they bought that, and then all of their resources are tied up. And so they think, well, I can't give. Well, that kind of goes back to having a plan, right? So some people just want to spend all their money. And, and basically that comes down to a priority issue. Am I going to prioritize God or am I going to, you know, kind of put God like on the end of the spectrum and not really think about him and not really consider him when I set up my budget, when I, when I look at my paycheck every week or my bank account, and he's just not part of the equation. And so that would be a priority issue. I would, my, my, my priority really is about me if I'm spending it all on myself and my family. My priority is, is the vacation. My priority is to have fun. My priority is to have as much as I can have and get. And I don't really, you know, consider God in the equation. Now, now, I would say that most people aren't like that today. I would say that most people in the room are people that would say, well, I want to give to God. And most of you would probably say, I, I actually do want to prioritize God in my life. But there have been issues, maybe some hard times financially that have come upon you, or maybe some issues that just happened and you've kind of been dumb with money. We've all been done, dumb with money. We've all done stupid things with money in the and the good news is you can change that. You can actually correct that. You can begin to prioritize God. So I, I think most of you, you know, would probably say that you love Jesus. You, you love God. That's why you're here. That's why you're worshiping. You know, but it, it's almost like the husband who says he loves his wife, but then he never talks to her. He never says he, he loves her. Uh, he never pays much attention to her. And then he you know, cheats on her. And then what does she want over time? A divorce. And he's like, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> see, some of you say you love Jesus, you love God's church, but, but you never talk to him. You never spend time with him. You never say that you love him verbally. And essentially because of the idols that you've created in your life, you're cheating on God. You haven't made him a priority. And and so it's, 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 it's almost very, very similar. Someone that says something or thinks or believes something, but then with their life doesn't show that. We all know love is, is not just a verbal word that we use. Love is defined by our actions. And so I think understanding God calling us to put him as a priority is a big deal. A recent study showed that the pandemic increased credit card debt for 30% of people in our country. So during the pandemic, starting in 2020, up until you know, this recent uh, survey, 30% of the people in America have seen an increase in their credit card debt. And there are a lot of reasons for that. Again, maybe some hard times or, or you know, maybe we got a lot of money and we spent too much of it from you know, whatever. And that just led to kind of you know, using and swiping our credit cards. But the priority of putting God first is, is, is being removed in our culture, especially in the church. He calls us to make it a priority. Thirdly, I would say that people just don't have a plan. They've never sat down and they've never actually made a financial plan for their life. 
They can't really see beyond this Friday when they get paid and, and whatever bills they've got this week, they're kind of, okay, I got to do this and do this. And then I get paid and then we move on to next week and they never think about next year. And if you're in your 30s, you're not, you're not really thinking about retirement. You're not really thinking about leaving a legacy financially to your grandchildren at this point. I think you should. I but people just don't have a plan. We just get caught up in stuff. And so this becomes an understanding issue. You just don't understand that you don't get a, a vision from God when you have 12 months to live. He's not gonna show up in a dream and say, most of us aren't gonna get this. Hey, you got 12 months to live, so go ahead and get it together. Go ahead and get that will together. Go ahead and start you know, being generous with people and, and go ahead and you know, sell all the stuff and all the crap that you're, you, he, you don't get that warning. And so we never know when that day comes. And so faithfulness starts today. And it's important that today we take the steps that we know to take and we understand who God is and what he says about our resources. Think about it like this. Do you, does it ever cross your mind not to pay your utility bill? You, you ever sit at the kitchen table with your spouse and say, oh yeah, we got the MUB bill uh, this week. You think we should take care of that? Or should we just not take care of that? <laughs> That's a conversation you don't have. And the reason why you don't have that and I don't have that is because there are immediate consequences. If we do not pay that bill, the lights will get turned off and there is no sympathy and nobody cares. You pay it, you get lights, you don't pay it, you don't get lights. And, and that's a reality. And so there are immediate consequences. And so when we look at being a, a faithful giver to God's church, we don't see it, the immediate consequences if we neglect to do that. But the reality is there are consequences and those consequences are just different for each of us, but it impacts our spiritual health and our spiritual growth. It impacts our heart. It impacts our relationships. We don't know exactly, maybe you can, as you grow and mature and look back, you can start to put your finger on specific things, but we have to trust that when the Bible says that God disciplines his children for our good, we have to know that when we're disobedient, that discipline is actually in place. Number four, they don't have a plan. And then number four, they haven't taken time to create a plan. So this is just really specific. Did you realize that it is an act of worship when you sing? Of course you probably did. Did you realize it's an act of worship when you give God your time? So you're gonna pray and you're gonna read the Bible. When you serve God, that is an act of worship. When you're giving him your talents, and you're giving him your energy and effort, that is an act of worship. And when we give financially, it's an act of worship. And when you plan to give financially, it's an act of worship. So if you go home today and you sit at the table with your wife and you say, okay, obviously we don't have this together, it's a mess. We fight about it constantly, which money is one of the top three reasons why people get divorces. And so we've all fought about it. And you're going to sit around the table and you're going to probably argue a little bit about it and you're going to see things differently. And if you don't come to an understanding and an agreement and continue to go in this direction, then your, your faithfulness and stewardship will, won't increase. But if you do take the time and you sit around that table and you say, God, we want to be faithful. We, we want to we right this ship. So give us guidance and help us to create a plan that would honor you. That moment is an act of worship before God. And even taking that step is, is you saying that we're, we're, actually, we're actually going to worship. 
God, because that's the issue here. To actually take the time. We all know we need a plan. Everybody knows they need a budget. But how many people follow a budget? We followed it for a couple of days and then we were really hungry and we wanted to go eat and <laughs> we had a night out. It was date night. And so we splurred, right? And so this is an act of worship. And when we get this together, then God blesses and God God uses it in an incredible way. And if we don't make this plan, then here's what ends up happening. You save too little, you spend too much. And then if you do give anything to God, it's whatever's left over. Think about it like this. Um, If you were to have people come over for dinner tonight, five minutes before they're supposed to be there, do you look in your fridge and go, what do we got in the fridge to feed these people? We got some leftover spaghetti. How about we microwave that? <laughs> You're not going to do that. You know, what about dessert? We got some Oreos. They're a little stale, but at least they're double stuffed, you know? But why is it that when it comes to God, we are willing to give him the leftovers, but when it when it comes to our, our friends coming over for dinner, we would never give them leftovers. But, but when it comes to God, we're, we're perfectly fine with just giving him whatever's left over. See, this is a worship issue. When we worship God with our resources, there is blessing. And, and so then we ask, okay, so how do we do it? How do we begin to make this plan? What, what, what does the word of God teach us? And I think what he teaches us here, going back to letter C here, is that we should be giving a percentage. He says, as he may prosper. So as we prosper, in other words, as God has blessed you financially, as he's blessed us financially, then we are to give out of of that prosperity. And, and, And so that doesn't mean, oh, when we're rich, then we can give. No, it's essentially teaching us in proportion to how God has blessed us. So It's a percentage that he's calling us to actually give. Now, I think it's important to see what the Old Testament teaches about this because it gives us a starting point for where we should be today. In Malachi chapter three, you can turn there. I can just read it. It says in verse eight, will a man rob God? And you read that and you say, "Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to, to, to rob God. I don't want that to happen. And then the next line says, God says to the people, you are robbing me. And so obviously if God tells us that, we would say, how? How are we robbing you, God? And, and that's exactly what they say. And his response is in your tithes and contributions. And so the command then is bring the full tithe into the storehouse and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, and see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more Need. So God says, I want you to test me in this. I want you to give, the, the, the word tenth literally means 10%. So God was commanding them to give 10% of, of what they had. And he was saying, this is almost like you're testing me. You're trusting that I'm going to provide for you. You're trusting that I'm going to come through for you. Right? And so I think it's important that we see that this is a promise that that isn't that you're going to win the lottery or that you're going to get the miracle that you have been you know, hoping and praying for. If you give this, that is not what he's saying. What he's saying is far greater and much richer. And that is you will have no more need. In other words, he'll provide for all of your needs. Every need that we have, he will, he will see fit to, 
to meet that need. Now, under the new covenant, after Jesus goes to the cross, raises from the grave, we have a new promise from God on salvation. And so the, the old covenant is fulfilled in Jesus. And Jesus doesn't specifically tell us in the New Testament to give 10% of our income. Instead, he instructs us to give generously and in proportion to how we would like God to be generous to us. So how would you like God to be generous with you? Well, I very much so would want him to be generous with me. And so would you. And in fact, I love what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So the way that I like to explain this is, um, have you ever gone to the, a, a gas station to get a slushie? Like this is the perfect illustration. You go to the gas station, you get a slush and you fill that puppy up. And if you're like me, you kind of shake it, you press it down, you take a huge gulp, not to the point of the brain freeze, but right to the limit. And then you go back to fill it up. I don't know if that's legal, but that's the way I do it. You take it, you shake it, you knock it down, you get a little bit more in there. And that's kind of the idea. Jesus is saying, you want God to be generous with you. And so what God does when you are generous is that he takes it, he presses it, he shakes it, he presses it down. And then he pours more in and it overflows. And so when, when, when we see what Jesus commands us, he wants us to be grateful for the things that he has given to us financially, but he gave us salvation. Essentially, he's given us everything because we have salvation in Christ. Because of our faith, we have everything and in that regard, Jesus doesn't say give a tenth. He taught us in so many ways to give our all. He told us to give everything, to, to, to lay it all down for him. He told the rich young ruler, he said, go sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor and follow me. So we ask ourselves now like, okay, well, what are we, what's the standard? What are we supposed to give? Are we supposed to sell it all? Give everything away and just be homeless? I don't think that's the command. I, I think the rich young ruler had a problem with money and that was, that was Jesus's way of identifying that idol in his life. But, but the Old Testament says 10%. So we got to make a decision, right? Jesus calls us to give all. He calls us to be generous. He wants us to be generous into proportion for what he has given to us. And so I, I don't think everything in the Old Testament that was given to us in the law, Jesus took it and then he told us to do more. He told us, you know, it's, it's, it's not, you know, murder is wrong in the Old Testament, right? But then in the New Testament, Jesus says, yeah, you've heard that it is said, do not murder. But I tell you, don't be angry with your brother. It's like, oh, dang. The Old Covenant said, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, you've been heard that, it, you know, don't commit adultery. But I say, if you look lustfully, you've already committed adultery. It's like, ee. He took the command and then he like, crushed it and made it even more like amplified. And so I, I think in the same way, 10% of our income is, is a starting point for us. And, and then in a wealthy culture like ourselves, we should, we should then seek to, to try to raise and give as much as we possibly can away. Because again, we are investing into eternity when we do so. Verse two, he says, he wants, us, he wants them to give, set that money aside and be ready so that there would be no collection 
when he goes, when he goes to see them. You see, Paul didn't want them to collect an offering when he was there, like a special offering. He wanted them to plan. He wanted them to set it aside. And he wanted to give it in proportion to the sum of, of, of blessing that God had given to them so that when he got there, it would be ready to be used for ministry, be ready to be used in Jerusalem and be ready for them, uh, for, 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 for God to do what God was calling them to do as a church. I think it's important for us to be reminded about Matthew 6, 21, where Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's one of those foundational verses in the Bible that I think are so critical um, for each of us to, to, to unpack. You know, you put your money where your heart's at. That's just the truth of, of, of the scripture. Whatever you love, you're going to invest money into that area. Um, you're going to invest money into the stock, mar stock market if you love to see those gains. You are going to invest money into your kids because you love them. You're going to invest into God's church if you love Jesus. It's just that simple. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. Listen to this. You can give without loving someone, but you can't love without giving. Let me say that again. You, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Some of you, you give to organizations or or, 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 you know, different people because it gives you a tax break. You don't love them. You want the tax break. You give to different things because you want the cloud. You want the, you know, the special treatment. You can give to a homeless guy on the side of the road, not because you love him, but just because you want to. But you can't truly love something without giving financially to it. If you love your kids, you're going to give financially to them. If you love God's church, you're going to bring your treasure to him. It just naturally follows. Think about it like this. If you're a parent and, 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 and what if a parent, you know, going back to school here in the last couple of weeks and a parent who had the, the, the finances to do this, but, but just decided, you know what, I'm not going to buy any back to school, you know, items for my kid. The backpack, the pencils, the crowns, the, what all the school stuff, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. I don't want to. Teachers should provide that. What would you call that father? irresponsible. <laughs> you are irresponsible. That is not a good father. What, what would you call a father who was, was directed by the court to pay child support, but refused to pay child support? Well, had the means, but just refused to do it. I don't know, man, they can take care of themselves and I'll just let them figure it out. I need all this for me. What'd you call him? Irresponsible. <laughs> That's a bad father. Right? And so when we look at that, those examples, we might come to a Christian and say, okay, what do you call a Christian who says they love Jesus, they love God, they love the church, they love what the church is providing for them, they love the kids' ministry that their kids get to be a part of, or their, the student ministry that their teenagers get to be a part of, they love the preaching and the music and the worship, and they love all the relational things of the church, but they refuse to have a plan to give to that church. What do you call them? Irresponsible? <laughs> Average? I don't want you to be average. I don't want you to miss the opportunities that God is giving to you to, to receive his blessing or, or our church to miss that. I want you to be extraordinary, not average. Some of us say we love our church, but we don't have a plan to financially support the church. Here's why I give. Here's my, my, Mike and I, my wife, 
why we give. We, we give and have always given ever since we've been married. Our, we have a, a joint bank account. We know where everything's going and, and nothing's hidden. And, and essentially we give because we believe God tells us to give. And so we've always given 10% and we've, we've, we've told our elders, you, you look at that whenever you want to. And, and uh, that's just openness. And, 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 and I don't ask you to do things that, that we aren't willing to do. Um, we give because we think it's biblical, but we give also because we know what God has done with that over the last 13 years in this church and in, in this community. We actually get a front row seat to watch God change lives in this church. We, we've seen 70 people already this year give their life to Jesus and get baptized. And so we get a front row seat to that. When you give, you're a part of all the ministries that allow those decisions and, and lead to those decisions every single year. When we see a brand new ch- church um, starting in Knoxville, we get a front row seat and we get to be a part of something that most churches never experience. To be a part of a brand new location that's going to reach thousands of people over the next generations of people and, and in the city of Knoxville, reaching young people and families and ministering to them and all the good that that's going to do. I mean, that's eternal. That's not just a one-off donation to get a tax break. That's investing with intentionality behind something that God is going to bless and use in incredible ways. Um, if you're looking for an, a good ROI, a good return on your investment, there's not a better place than, than God's church because God promised to build his church. God promises so that the gates of Hades are not going to withstand us charging into this uh, world with the power of the gospel and lives are going to be transformed. And so, so it is the best return on investment you and I could ever make. Here's some thoughts though. I, I know what kind of goes through people's heads, goes through all of our heads. But one, one of the things that I hear people say, one of the things that I, I think we think about is we say, well, this church doesn't need our money. So we just decided that we're just not going to give. You know, they got nice facilities, they got stuff. And, you know, so they don't really need our money. So we're not, we don't give because they don't need it. Those same people will attend, you know, another church or they left the church because that church needed their money. That church was dying. That church needed a facelift. It needed renovations. It needed new staff members. And they said, you know what? We're not given to a sinking ship. This place is dying. So what did they do? They left. So think about it. If you are, are the person that says, I'm not going to give to a church that, that doesn't need it. And, and, and I'm not going to give to a church that does need it. You're essentially saying that you are never going to give to a church that you actually tend. <laughs> so what do you want me to do with that? What, 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 is, what, what does God do with that? Well, we could create a, a crisis every month. And that's what a lot of churches do. They do special offerings all the time. And we could say, the air conditioner blew up and we got to take up an offering to take care of that. And then people throw money at that and they take care of it. Or they have a missionary come in. Oh, there's a missionary from overseas. We're going to bless them. Let's take up an offering and then we'll give it. And so everything's in a crisis and everything's an emergency. And and we could create all of that crisis, but we just chose not to do that. We're not going to do that. We want to teach biblical stewardship. And we do one offering every year at FC. It's called the vision offering. And that's what we would say over and above what we regularly give. And that's the only special offering we give. And I think that's Paul's point. I don't want to take up a special offering when I come. I want you to get it together. I want you to be faithful and think about it and make a plan and be faithful. Think about it like this. 
Do you do business with a company because they need your money or because they provide great products and great customer service? <laughs> I mean, do you go to you know, Chick-fil-A and go through the drive-thru and whip out a $100 bill and when they ask you what you want to eat, you say, no, nope, don't want anything today. Just want to give you $100 because you guys are doing awesome. And then drive away. Of course you don't do that. You go through there for that blessed Christian chicken, eight count blessing that will get you through a bad day. Amen. That's why you're there. And the frosted lemonade, if it's a hot day, just because, right? Great customer service, great products. That's why you give them their money. No other reason. If the product starts to wane, if the customer service goes down, then you exit, you stop going. What about Disney World? Why do we spend so much money to go to Disney World and to stand in line for two hours to ride a one minute ride? Why do we do that? Because it's freaking awesome. That's why we do that. <laughs> it is magical. And when I took our kids for the first time when they were really young and the princesses and all the autographs and all that stuff before COVID, it was magical. It was amazing, right? So here's my question. Why do you treat Chick-fil-A in Disney World better than God's church? Why, why would we treat a secular company, why would we treat any company better than the organization that Christ died for and commanded us to support? You see, when your marriage hits rock bottom or financially you go through a difficult time, are you going to pick up the phone and call Mickey and ask him for advice? No, you're not calling Mickey. You're not calling Truett, Kathy, or whoever else is in charge over there. You're going to call Foothills Church, and you should, because we are here to help you. And we're not going to look at your giving record, and we're not going to think or talk about any. We're going to do everything we can to help you. And so I think it's important for us that the reason why God tells us to share our money is that he's calling us as a church to be and live on mission. He's calling us to do and, 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 and spread the gospel. And so when we give and when we um, collaborate financially, we're able to do that. And we're able to do far more together than we ever could on our own. And the reality is right now in the season of our church, and we've always been here because we're always casting vision and we're always taking new territory and we're always doing what we feel like God is calling us to do. It's, it's an expensive season. If you've ever started a business, you got some business leaders here. You guys have started a company. You started an office. When you, when you start that, there's a lot of overhead, right? You've got, you've got to hire staff. You've got to get the inventory ready. You've got to get all the systems ready, all the you know, back-end computer stuff ready. You, the brick and mortar, if you've got the brick and mortar place, that you're building that, you're renovating something, you're leasing something. There's a lot of upfront costs. And then, you know, the hope is when you actually open, then the, the, you know, the profits come and you can begin to pay that off. I mean, starting a new location is very similar to that. There's a lot of upfront costs. And so um, as a church, like we get to do this together. We talk about creating a counseling center to help marriages and help those who are addicted to drugs and teenagers from, you know, thinking about suicide or gender or whatever else. We just can't do that from a practical standpoint unless we can buy property 
and build a center to actually do that. And so we, we always say, look, we've got the vision, um, but we as a church get to decide how fast we accomplish that vision. And if we've got a bunch of you know, people attending to just consume and they're not willing to give, then we're missing the, the real point of why we're here. We're not just here for ourselves. We didn't build this, this auditorium or in, in this church um, just for the you know, heck of it. We did it because we knew God was going to send you. We didn't, we didn't know so many people were coming from California. We didn't know all these people from wherever were going to come to this area, but God knew, and that's why, that's why we're here. And I don't care if you've been here for one week or, you know, three months. If this is where you attend, if, if you're a partner here, if this is where God has called you to be a part of, then God would encourage you and ask you to be generous. I think the result when people actually give is that we can purchase land. We can start churches. We can create counseling centers. We can hire, you know, more staff members with the capacity to do more ministry so as a church, we're here to help. And even in this area, if you're somebody who's struggling financially or maybe you just need some financial coaching or mentoring and maybe you've got some debt that you wanna figure out, like we're here to help you. If, you. if you want a financial coach, a financial mentor, all you have to do is scan the QR code, go to our website, and we will connect you with someone that will help you. That's our commitment. Like that's why we're here. That's what a church is for. So what I want to challenge you to do today is begin to pray about this and, and, and think about this. What would it look like if every single person who is attending Foothills Church would for one Sunday, just one Sunday, would everyone make a commitment next week to come in here ready to give 10% of their income? Just one day. I'm not asking, you know, maybe that for the next year, you're in upside down world financially that it would be, could you do it for one Sunday? And what could God do with the resources that we would give in one day? I think it would be amazing. And that's the challenge. Next Sunday, come back, give online, be in person, whatever. But every single one of us, I wanna challenge you to give 10%. Next week, now, if you've already, if you're already given that, it's just like, oh, it's an easy day for you. You're already doing it. But for those of you who aren't, those of you in Knoxville that aren't, would you be willing next Sunday, giving Sunday, just come ready and prepared? That's my challenge for you. And I believe if we did that, God would open up the floodgates and start something in our heart that he would, he would use in such ways that we, we, we can't even comprehend right now. Let me ask let me ask you to bow your heads. See, if you're not a Christian today, I'm not asking you to give. I, I would ask you to give your life to Jesus though. Jesus died on a cross, paying for your sin. It wasn't just a good example. It was, it was Jesus taking your place, taking the punishment that you and I deserve. He died for your sin. He rose on the third day, proving that he was who he said he was. And proving that there is life after death, proving that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father except through Him. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, I wanna encourage you to make that decision today. I wanna encourage you before you leave, stop by the care and prayer room and say, I just wanna give my life to Jesus. 
and they'll pray with you, they'll help you, they'll encourage you, point you in the right direction. Heavenly Father, as we close today, one of the things that we struggle with the most as people, and this is all of us, God, you know this to be true, that we just cling to money and, 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 and we grab onto it. And Lord, we don't, it's not our inclination to share. It's our inclination to take care of ourselves. But we see in your scripture that we are called to plan. We are called to give in proportion to how you blessed us. And so, Lord, help us to release that control. Soften our hearts today that we might be able to take the step of commitment as a church and as a family and give towards your vision, give towards your mission. We would be able to see you do tremendous things, not only here in Maryville, but Knoxville and the things that you put on our heart, God, that we would be able to do. We're asking you for that. Give us, God, the heart and the strength to be faithful to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship today. Thank you so much for watching this video. We'd love for you to like the video and leave a comment. And we also encourage you to subscribe and click the bell so you never miss a post from Foothills Church. To learn more about FC, just head to our website by going to foothillschurch.com or by clicking the link in the description below.